If I sneeze or cough, I will do my best to turn my microphone off first, so please pray for me. Well, we are in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 17. If you would like to turn with me now to that portion of Scripture as we hear the reading of God's Word in just a moment, I will pray and ask God's blessing on us. But Judges chapter 17 is where we will be this morning. Let's pray and ask God to bless the preaching of His Word. Father in heaven, we do come to you and ask that you open up this Word to us. Your words are life And through your word, we hear of the salvation that you have provided in Christ. We have heard from your law, and now we do have also heard of your gospel, and we pray that you would deepen that in us in this time. Lord, we cannot do anything apart from your spirit, so open our hearts to receive this word. Lord, I do pray that you would sustain my voice and my health uh, to endure through whatever's going on in my body, that I would be able to faithfully proclaim your word with whatever strength you give me. And pray this in your precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The question I have for us today, you'll see a title, Worship Our Way, or uh, God on Our Terms, another way of thinking at this, is how do we access God? How do we access God? How does the world around us think about accessing God, if they think of it at all? How do other religions think of accessing God? How do other religions do this? How do they provide the way of access to God? And how do you think of your access to God? And what controls your thoughts about how you access God? Our text today, I believe, is fundamentally getting at this question, which I probably should read. Uh, (laughs) Some of you might be thinking that. But it's really getting at this question of how do I access God? So with that in mind, let us turn to Judges 17 and hear the story of a man named Micah and what he does in his access of God. Hear now the reading of the word of the Lord. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoke it in my ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. And he restored the eleven hundred pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from the hand from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household gods and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. And he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to do to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said, 
I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I might find a place. And Micah said to him, Stay with me, and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. And the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. That sends the reading of the word of the Lord. Here in this passage, we hear of Micah's formulation of how he is going to access God. The summary at the end Now I know that the Lord is going to prosper me or do good to me is the summary of what he believes. All these things are my way of accessing goodness and blessing and prosperity from God. Micah has his own formulation of what he thinks is going to provide this. And I'd like to look at this passage to help us understand how this shapes how we ought to think of our access to God. But if you have been with us for several months as we've gone through the book of Judges, this marks a significant turn in the book of Judges. No longer do we hear about any more of these judges. It's a new section. The spirit-powered, empowered men who destroy Israel's enemies no longer appear. The story now turns to the people of Israel themselves. Here, Micah, a man living in the hill country of Ephraim, where much of the circumstances in Judges takes place, and a Levite, one who has been appointed by God to serve the people of Israel in how they worship the Lord. And the focus now is upon the lives of the Israelites. There's two sections in the end of Judges. Chapters 17 and 18 tell the story of Micah, this Levite, and then the tribe of Dan. We'll hear more about this next week. And then the remaining chapters is about the growing division. This part is about the religious falling apart of Israel. And the next one is the civil falling apart of Israel. Chapters 19 through 21. But here our text turns to this man, Micah, and we learn much about him. He is not your model citizen of Israel. He steals from his mom and only gives it back once he realizes that if he's found out, he's a dead man. He puts himself in place of God and sets up his own worship center in his house. He ordains his priests as his own son, and he turns his house into a shrine, the text tells us. The Hebrew words there are a household of gods. There's a play on words that's happening here. Uh, The house of gods, which if you know the word Bethel, Beth, the word for house, and El, the word for God, is the place throughout the Old Testament where God met with the patriarchs. And now this is no longer the house of God, but it is the house of gods, this place that Micah is setting up in opposition to God's location of worship. Now, why is this a problem? Now, some of you might think this is quite obvious why this is a problem. A thieving, idolatrous, self-centered, self-seeking man. Micah is violating God's commands left and right. He's a thief. He's covetous. He's an idol worshiper. He makes images of God. He takes God's name in vain. He dishonors his parents. The scene is one of Micah and his whole family 
who on the outside think they're acting in ways that is honoring to the Lord, even taking God's name to themselves, dedicating silver to the Lord only to devote it to idols, acting that they think in behalf of the Lord, now the Lord is going to bless me, Micah declares. Yet they're doing nothing of the sort. Everything they're doing here is against the commands of God. He thinks that he can do something independently of what God has commanded him to do. He can set up his own way of worshiping the Lord. And he thinks that it's going to lead to good things for him. Chapter 18 will bear a different story out for Micah. But he is an inventor of worship. Maybe you've heard this phrase on some pastor's Some churches searching for a pastor. I know this because I've looked at churches, not in our denomination, thankfully, but I've seen this, that they seek for men who or people who would lead them in worship who are innovative, as if this is a good thing. And Micah is showing us here that at no point is this a good thing. And the very next passage tells us its judgment of Micah and his actions In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his eyes. We know there's no king in Israel. The purpose, one of the main purposes of the king was to keep the people worshiping the law, worshiping God the way that he had commanded them. You see this throughout the book of Kings. When the kings are restored and follow the Lord, they destroy all the idols in the area. But here, idolatry is proliferating, going everywhere. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. But there is a change even in the words from the beginning of the way the book of Judges starts. And now, at the beginning, it says that everyone does what is evil in the sight of the Lord. And now the inverse is happening. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. It is a wholesale abdication of their duties before the Lord. And it's everyone. It is as if to say the entire nation of Israel is doing whatever they want, in particular as regards the worship of God. One author put it this way, the situation was typical. Micah is not an exceptional person. This is normal in Israel. This is the modus operandi, business as usual, It's the way the Israelites lived. Now, we might think, that's bad. Well, it only gets worse, as we have seen in the book of Judges. The second half of our story in Judges begins this way in verse 7. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem and Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. We might even read this phrase as, it so happened to be. It just so happens there was a young man. And what's important about this man? We don't get his name. Now notice in the book of Judges, names are used important. Micah's name means, who is like Yahweh? Who is like Yahweh? Well, he doesn't manifest this in his life, but that's not an important detail for this young man. The important detail is that he's coming from Judah and he's a Levite. Now, for us, we may not identify with this or understand it readily, but think of it like this. It's kind of like a Californian surfer moving to Wisconsin. Seems a little out of a place to some people when you think about it. But even Californians can find a home in Wisconsin that they love. 
But Levites didn't have their own tribal land area. They served at the tabernacle, the focal point of religious worship in Israel. And so they wandered at times, and there were cities that there was allotted to them to go to. But here is this young man wandering, looking for a home. And it just so happens that he ends up at Micah's house. But something else that's important to recognize is that he's only a Levite. There was one class of Levites who were able to serve as priests, those who were of direct lineage of Aaron, Moses' brother. Nothing is said about this man. He had no right to serve as a priest. He could help the priests in their duties, but he could not serve as one. And Micah, the perennial opportunist, stealing from his mom, setting up his own shrines, maneuvers his way with this young man. Tell me where you're coming from. What are you doing? What are you up to? Oh, you don't have a home. I have a great place for you. I have this house here that's full of worship, and you would be a great person to join me in this. What Micah is doing here is ultimately acting like God himself. He ordains his own priest again, and he co-ops one of God's priestly assistants for his own service and own purposes. He sets up his own worship independent of what God has told him to do. But then comes the final nail in the coffin. Micah declares, now I know that God will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. Why does he think this? Why does he think this Levite is going to do something good for him? Well, the Levites are God's special agents of sorts, you could say, in his service. These are the people God set aside to help the people in the worship of God, to direct them and guide them. And now he says, this is giving me special access to God and therefore special access to blessing. And everything will go well for me. I have a Levite and he's my priest. Micah is a man who is not content. He was not content to worship God the way that God had told them. God had given very clear commands to the people of Israel how they were to worship God. But Micah, like all of Israel, thinks he knows better. And he mixed his worship of Yahweh with the worship of the culture around him, adopting household gods as a means of blessing for himself. You can hear, you can almost hear his thoughts. Surely it can't be that bad. I'm improving the worship of God. I'm making it better. Surely everything will go well for me. This is the way I'm going to prosper. We must ask the question, wasn't the worship that God gave to Israel enough? Was it not enough? God gave them a tabernacle with all kinds of visual displays to help them understand their sin and God's forgiveness of them. It was incredibly ornate and expensive, lined with all kinds of jewels, uh, jewels in, in what they wore. There was gold. There was all kinds of things showing how beautiful this was. It was the pinnacle of worship on earth. They had every visible element that people of that time thought were so helpful. Sacrifices, incense, candles, meals, feasts, ornate vestments, a beautiful worship room that pictured heaven itself. These were all 
things that God had given to Israel to portray to them the means of how they should worship God. And he gave it to them. This is God-ordained. This is special. And this is good. But it wasn't enough for Micah. It wasn't good enough. No, he had to go and improve on it. The blessing that he wanted, he thought, could not be found there. And so he tries to take the worship of God to the next level. At the core, Micah wanted to worship God on his terms. Micah shows, along with all of Israel, that apart from a work of God in our hearts, a work of God in his heart, the human heart is never satisfied with the ways that God has required us to worship him. In the words of John Calvin, For if the option should be given, the fleshly man would always choose anything instead of agreeing to worship God according to the mandates of our doctrine. Remember what it says in this passage. Everyone in Israel was doing what was right in their eyes. The whole nation. And Samson is the final picture of that man blinded who did what was right in his own eyes. Micah wanted his own way of access and approach to God. He was not satisfied and content to be obedient to what God had told the Israelites. He told them how to access him. He gave them a whole covenant form of how they could have access to God. And he set aside a whole tribe, the Levites, to assist them in this worship of him. But he also forbade them, as we heard even in the Ten Commandments. You shall not make a graven image. You shall not take my name in vain. That's what Micah is doing in his last declaration. Now I know the Lord will bless me. Vainly using God's name, just like his mother. Whether through the corrupting worship he put in place, or through adopting the world's and cultures surrounding him's ways of what they thought would bring blessing to them, this is what Micah did. And we might think, well, bad Micah. He should know better. But Christians today, we also so easily fall into this same trap. We want to take it up to our own selves to devise worship that looks just like what they do, adopting the culture, the practices of those around us, thinking that this is what's going to bring the blessing that we need. We might even resurrect the old covenant worship. This is what was happening in the book of Galatians. Certainly this is good. This is what God gave to the people of Israel. And Christians seem to think that simply because Israel did something, that that means, therefore, that we should do it today as well. But this is not at all the case. The sacrifices, the incense, the candles, the feasts, the holy days, the ornate vestments, and the heaven-like worship room. God had given it to Israel for a purpose. And he gave it to them to help them, to point them to something. But it was not the final goal. Nothing in the world could conjure Nothing the world around could conjure up what God had already given to Israel. Nothing could compare to what God had given them. And what God had given them was incomplete. 
Your New Testament calls the Old Covenant worship shadowy sketches in the book of Hebrews. It is a shadow of the person and body of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus Christ dwelt among us. It is the word there for tabernacle. He is the one. He is the body. The old covenant system was to prepare Israel for the coming of the Messiah, to help them recognize who he is when he actually comes. But when the Messiah comes, this entire form of worship would go away. This entire visual element of worship would go away. Now, Micah wasn't content with what was there before him. And he decides, I'm going to invent my own way. But when Christ comes, he has now done away with this old worldly form of worship. The point is that, in one sense, we don't need them. We don't need those old covenant forms anymore. This is the entire book of Hebrews, the purpose, trying to get New Testament Christians to leave those things behind. They cannot help us in our walk with the Lord. They are useless. They profit nothing. There is nothing that is ornate, covering it with silver and gold that can help you in the worship of God. There is nothing beautiful that can make it better. And the reason for this is that everything you need is given to you in Jesus Christ himself. And our only hope of worshiping God is accessing God through Jesus Christ. And the way that we access God through Jesus Christ is by faith alone. It is through faith in Christ that we receive everything, everything that Micah thought he was getting for himself. All the blessing, all the goodness comes through Jesus Christ alone. See, the old covenant worship was presenting Jesus Christ to the people of Israel. And Micah was not content with how Jesus Christ was being presented to him. He wanted a better Jesus. He wanted his own Jesus. He wanted to worship God on his terms. And he took the cue from the world around him instead of from God. And so often today, we Christians fall into this trap. We want to modernize Jesus, seeking a way of worshiping God that looks just like the way that they did. And we must not. We cannot go backward. This is why the Apostle Paul says about the entire Mosaic system, the law, if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself a transgressor. When Paul put his faith in Jesus Christ, when he trusted in the person who gave his life and body on the cross, he didn't need the Old Testament shadow and types anymore. To go back to them would be to rebuild what he tore down through faith in Christ. If he goes back to them, it proves that he's sinful. 
It shows how sinful his heart is. It doesn't prove how righteous he is. And Jesus Christ, the whole goal of Old Covenant worship has come. And we cannot go back to these ways. And the way that we worship God now is through faith alone. But that question, how do we access God? We access God through His Word. Only through His Word. We have not been given a new covenant worship that looks like the old covenant. We have been given God's Word and His Word alone. And, two, visible representations. One, the Lord's Supper. And secondly, baptism. But as Augustine says, these are simply bodily sacraments, or he says, what else are certain bodily sacraments but certain visible words? This is why we call them signs and seals. They are sealing the words of promises made to those who believe in Jesus Christ. We declare the promises and these seal what is true to you who trust in Christ. Listen to how our confession articulates this. Under the gospel, when Christ, the substance, was exhibited or displayed, the ordinances which this covenant is dispensed are the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which, though fewer in number and administered with more simplicity and less outward glory, Yet, in them, it is held forth in more fullness, evidence, and spiritual efficacy to all nations, both Jews and Gentiles, and is called the New Testament. Word and sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism. More simplicity, less outward glory, yet more power, more fullness, We have something through the preaching of God's word, the reading of God's word, the singing of God's word, the Lord's Supper and baptism that the entire nation of Israel could only hope for. What power are all these rites and ceremonies now? Micah was not even content with what they had. And we desire so often to bring more to this worship. You visit most churches today and you will see they design their own forms of worship. They want innovators. They're not content like Micah with the simple word of God. We have everything we need in the gospel as it is proclaimed to us. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 3.1. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And I want to make it clear that he was portrayed with words, not artistry. In the very next verse, Paul says to the Galatians, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? is what is so offensive about the gospel. It doesn't require any of our works. We just simply receive Jesus Christ by faith. There's nothing we can bring. 
We hear God telling to us that he forgives sinners, wants none of their works because they're unrighteous and unworthy in his sight. Yet so often we're like Micah. Not with how content with how the Lord comes to us in his word. And like Micah, we want to make our own man-made pathway a blessing from God. As we see from Micah, it's just all idolatry. But friends, there is a Savior. There is a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who brought this entire form of worship to an end. And he did this and came to rescue idolaters like you and like me to turn us into true worshipers who worship God in spirit and truth, who look to Jesus Christ alone. And he calls you today to receive him by faith. That he alone is all of your righteousness, all of your forgiveness. As we heard from John 3.16, he is your eternal life. And that all the blessedness that you can have in this life and in the life to come comes through hearing God's word proclaimed to you of Jesus Christ. Cast off your idolatrous ways of accessing God and come to his word where Christ is proclaimed to us. And believe in him that he is your savior. And know the words that Jesus Christ declared to us. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And who comes to me, I will never cast out. When we receive Jesus Christ, as he has offered to us in the gospel, as our catechism says, we receive Jesus Christ with all his benefits. Now I know that I will prosper from the Lord because I have received Jesus Christ wholly and complete me in the gospel, and he will never cast me out. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, it is a difficult word that we hear from this book of Judges that we find in them ourselves but we do thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who fulfilled everything that the Old Testament was pointing to. That he brought an end to this temporary form of worship that now we can have direct access to you through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we simply believe. Lord, strengthen our faith where it is weak and give us faith to those who do not yet believe that they may see Jesus Christ alone as their savior. And Lord, let us not seek anything on the side, but to follow wholly your command as you have called us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.